Drew Balbert and the team of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his fortnightly appearance on the program. It's his fortnightly appearance. the lead prospect in this. For Fangraphs.com, Eric Longenhagen. Eric Longenhagen is the guest in this program. As he does during every appearance, Eric Longenhagen endeavors to analyze all prospects. Of particular note this week, we revisit the over-under prospect game. If you listen to the most recent appearance by Eric Longenhagen, on Fangraphs Radio, you listen to the two of us playing what we called at that point the over-under prospect game. Well, what happened is, contestant A say, say myself, I would propose a player and a war figure. Say, Jose de Leon, two wins. And then it would be upon Eric, it would be incumbent upon Eric to take the over or the under of two wins. After I published that edition of the podcast and also a companion post with the results of, uh, of the game, a number of readers said, wouldn't it be fun if we could play along? Wouldn't that be something that would allow us to forget the cares and worries of our lives, if only for a moment. Verbatim, I think, is what uh, multiple readers wrote. This episode is that thing. What we have done is, together, in concert, like two brothers from separate mothers, Longenagen and I have agreed on a war figure, an over-under figure, for ten different prospects. Five hitting prospects, five pitching prospects. That is, the five hitting prospects who have received the highest plate appearance projections from the writer's at Fangraphs in charge of uh, in charge of the depth charts, and also the five pitchers who received the five highest innings total projections by the writers at Fangraphs. For each of those ten players, we have produced a WAR figure, an over/under figure, and this audio presentation is a document of that. There is an attendant post to this edition of the program, a companion post that allows readers to select the over/under for the ten prospects in question. There will be a link to that companion post in the post for this episode. It would also just be published generally at Fangraphs.com. We will be accepting submissions for the over-under prospect game home edition until Sunday at midnight. That is Sunday, March 5th at 11.59 p.m. technically. And the winner will receive a gift certificate to Barrio Queen in Scottsdale, Arizona, equivalent to the price of a pitcher of sangria plus tax. Truly excellent prize that. And uh, oh, and uh, to those listeners who would say, what if there is a tie? Well, indeed, what if there is a tie? What if the same, what if multiple contestants arrive at the same answers? Well, here's what you do. Uh, you also, after you've submitted all 10 of your over-under projections or guesses, you will also submit an innings total for San Francisco Giants prospect Ty Black, and that will be the tie breaker. Ty Black is the tie breaker, with which I believe I have exhausted all possible information about the over-under prospect game in this episode. So what do we do? We get to the podcast immediately. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does the future lead prospect analyst Eric Longenhagen playing or helping to play, helping to create the over-under prospect game? And when does it begin? Right now. scouting a game and you're back there and uh, I assume that you've developed a rapport with a number of the people who attend games at you know area high schools junior colleges universities to a degree yeah um there's uh I it's it's different in pro ball than it is for amateur stuff uh just because with amateur stuff scouts are moving around a whole lot more and you're not usually in one seat with one other person constantly. 
and those scouts are a little less apt to talk about the players themselves than guys in pro ball seem to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have like I have like a core group of of people that I see a lot and have more social rapport with them than I do with uh, like the rest, the other you know ninety percent of of people who I, I I recognize and talk to at games, but aren't you know just not quite as friendly. When you say in pro ball, do you mean th- these are scouts who are scouting games with uh, featuring players who are already signed? Right. Okay. Yeah. That's what pro scouting is. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, um, well, you know, sometimes I don't understand entirely, and right. I say to myself, I say, should I pretend that I understand? And then I say, well, what's to be gained from that? So that's the course. That's the whole series of questions I ask myself. I think you can guess the answers. <laughs> You fill sure. in the blanks, Eric. Eric, you fill I'll in. fill them in. Today, um, we are conducting an experiment, another oh, yeah. manner of experiment. Last time, of course, you and I, we played the over-under prospect game, the inaugural edition, 2017 edition of the over-under prospect game. A huge success is what it was, Eric. Was it really? Well, I don't know about that, but we, yeah, I don't know it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, it's always a lot of fun, of course, to speak with you. And in this particular case, sure, it was fun to. Uh, I think we were pitting our reputations against each other. Not, I mean, for whatever we whatever we possess of reputation. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> but it's I think, and, and of course, there was something real at stake, wasn't there? Yeah, alcohol. Yeah, a pitcher of sangria. Very sugary, uh, but delicious. Alcohol. Yeah, it doesn't have to be sugary. I think probably the best ones mm. are not sweetened yeah. very much, right? Okay, the, yeah. Are you a white? Are you a white sangria guy or a red sangria guy? That's my basketball nickname, white sangria. White sangria guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, a red sangria. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, in fact, good. I, I yeah. don't know that I uh, harbor any ill will towards white sangria either. I, I you know, uh, tear down the borders, let them all in is what I have to say. <laughs> and that's what I have to say. That's what I have said um, mm-hmm. on this one occasion at the very least. Well, but we've gathered here today, you and I, Eric, to play another version of this game, except uh, – um, but today uh, – so much like, you know, one might have played um, Bond. I don't know if Bond for Nintendo 64. Goldeneye? Um, yeah, sure, in the uh, what the late 90s. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a couple different settings. One, you can pit yourself against another spy. Uh, but you can also play as a team. I think this is true. It's true of a lot of other games, if not. Um, and, of course, there are other other instances. I remember one time playing Street Fighter with my dad at an arcade. And uh, you know how there's two of you uh, yeah. making your way through difficult through, through crime-ridden streets? Sure. Uh, I, it's either because he didn't understand the game or because uh, he had some unchecked anger issues, he actually just turned around and started beating me up. <laughs> and then he he uh, beat my character up. I lost all energy, and then he was the only one left in the game. That's funny, right? Yeah. All right. I'm glad you agree. Today what we're going to do... Would you agree that that uh, odd job should be, before you play a round of GoldenEye, that everyone should agree that no one is allowed to be odd job? I don't remember Odd Job. Odd Job. Do you remember the character Odd Job? No, I don't know. I don't remember anything about Odd Job. Could you have like a fifteen-second description? 
uh, catcher's body. <laughs> um, and like his, but his in in the game he was small and just harder to hit because he was a smaller guy. Like oh, if you I see were what you're saying. right up against him in the game, your gun was like up above his his head, and you can you can shoot him. Oh, so, so you had to manually like a, control the an unfair. Yeah, an unfair character to be when you're playing a multiplayer round of Goldeneye. Okay, I see. That's fair. All right. That was really right. I've, I've written down Ajab. So what we're going to do? Uh, <laughs> so we are not competing against each other. We're not different spies competing against each other. Neither of us is Ajab. Um, or if we are, we we are conspiring. It actually in this case, mm-hmm. uh, as spy, as other types of spies sometimes do. We're conspiring uh, um, to create to facilitate a game. For the people, uh, this will be literally this will be a race publica, a thing of the people. Uh, it will not be a revolutionary, no form of government founded by the Romans. Instead, it will be a sort of game where, uh, much like we did, pitting uh, pitting our own wits against each other. Uh, what we will set today, we will set over unders as a team together. Uh, five for pitchers, five for hitters, rookie eligible pitchers and hitters. We'll set over-under war figures, and then uh, David Appleman will enter that information into a computer, and uh, somehow I've been led to believe readers will be allowed to play along. The grand prize is to be determined, although I have uh, suggested that a, um, a gift certificate for the exact price a gift certificate uh, for the exact price of a pitcher of sangria plus tax um, ought to be. And it's to, uh, to uh, what's the name of the, the taqueria in Scottsdale? Barrio Queen. Barrio Queen, right. Barrio so I've Queen. suggested that the grand prize ought to be a gift certificate for the exact price uh, of uh, a pitcher of sangria, including tax, with Barrio Queen in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. And some people might say, well, what if I don't find myself in Scottsdale, Arizona? I'd say that's not the point. This is worth more. This is worth more than that. It's a it's a real badge of honor to win this. I think no matter where people are, they should be sent just a gift card to the party. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, we have 45 more minutes to record this because okay. um, I have to drive with my wife to Brunswick. So okay. 45 minutes roughly till we leave, till I have to... How much is a pitcher of sangria? Well, we'll figure that out. I'm sure it's a, it's a, it's a. It's eight bucks a glass. I know that. Oh wow! Oh, so that's a, that's pretty sizable. I think it's like twenty bucks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you'll do okay if you win. If you if you successfully guess the most amount of overs and unders. Hmm. Well, I just check it. Now, is it possible that it's actually in Gilbert, not Scottsdale? No, it's in Scottsdale. Is there one in Gilbert, possibly? Yeah. Okay. I see. Oh, yeah, I see. I see a couple. So here's the menu. Um, I can actually, yeah. we just do this right here. Tequila, masa, Main menu. Main menu. I think it's the main menu. Oh, drink menu. I should have clicked drink menu. Um, okay. Sangria. Sangrias. Well, it's only... That's not showing a picture of sangria, is it? Well, anyway, this is this is dull. I really made this dull immediately. Oh, are you looking glass. up? The, 
I thought that you had stopped recording. No, no. <laughs> when you said that, when you specified, hey, we only have 45 minutes to record this, don't be so Oh, long-winded. no, that was part of it. That was part of it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, I think it's something fine. like 20 bucks. It's fine. I'll go and myself test it out and make sure that uh, I get a count on the number of glasses of sangria included in that picture and will personally mm-hmm. uh, test to see the level of inebriation that they cause. Before yeah. uh, for the end of the season, so you, we yeah, have time right. to figure this out. It's okay. Okay, right, we'll get to the bottom of it. Um, okay, so uh, so we're, so together uh, jointly, we'll be we'll be reaching these uh, over under war mm-hmm. uh, figures and uh, users, and then there, and then I think we'll have to have a tie break, a tie breaking figure at the end. I was thinking um, in case you know the same number of people win, or you know if the if multiple people win. Mm-hmm. We could maybe uh, have a projection like Dansby Swanson's uh, total plate appearances or something like that. Okay. And whoever comes closest is, the, is therefore the winner. I don't know why I'm obsessed with the Padres Rule 5 class, but I think that would be a lot of fun as well. Wait, how much do they have is uh, what? Uh, like they have three, three guys. Well, they have a pitcher too. They have, well, they, have, they don't just have position players. Okay, fine. I would. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out at the end. I'm sure yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll have some sort of inspiration. All right. Let's Let's, uh, about so here, here's what I've done. The players I've isolated, uh, I've targeted mm. here. The five players who receive the highest plate appearance projections in our depth chart projections. So these are depth charts that are assembled by Fangraph's writers and editors. They have uh, gone over and uh, estimated as best they could the playing time for all the various teams. Uh, and so what I've done is I've taken the five uh, batters who received the highest plate appearance projections, the five pitchers who received the highest innings projections is what we have here. Uh, I will note Ty, Ty Black or Ty Block. I don't know how to say his last name. Ty Black, Ty Block, and Robert Jesselman. I think, yeah, Gesellman. This is how I've learned it as I finish up the Mets list, which is done, by the way. Okay. Um, well, we're going to we're going to it's going to be Robert Gesellman and not Ty Black. Why? This is what we call an executive decision. Fine. All right. Very good. Uh, should we do batters first? Yeah. Should we start with batters, or we could alternate too? Just start with the hitters. Let's start with the hitters. Well, uh, Dansby Swanson receives by far the most optimistic projection or aggressive projection in terms of plate appearances. Six hundred thirty projected. Dansby Swanson is an Atlanta Brave. Eric mm-hmm. Longenhagen, you go ahead. What do you what, tell me? What do you think about Dansby Swanson? Well, I think he's one of the best five prospects in all of baseball. It's more polished than it is uh, significant upside. Although he's probably going to be worth in excess of three wins annually throughout the peak of his career. Anyway, uh, just Vanderbilt shortstop who has performed at every level of college and pro ball. And was just a few plate appearances short of actually exhausting his rookie eligibility last year. Uh, probably already an above average to plus defender at short, so he's going to see a lot of at-bats. Uh, offensive-wise, it's more competency than impact at this point. Uh, so I think our decision on the war to put on him for the season is going to be based on what we think he's going to do with the bat. Okay, with the bat. Now, he had some uh, pretty excellent contact rates in the lower minors, uh, but that uh, right. uh, that decayed a little bit as he um, last year, but of course he was uh, facing uh, pitchers of, of a degree, the caliber that he had not faced before. 
Yeah, right from Double A to the big leagues, he went. Right, and I and I personally uh, would not be surprised uh, to find him find his uh, contact stroke uh, relatively quickly in the major leagues after his uh, his cup of coffee. Well, it, it was more than a cup of coffee last year. It was like a right. uh, a growler. A growler of coffee. A growler of coffee. So I'm actually probably going to be a little bit more optimistic on him than his projections would be. Um, I would probably say, let's see, I'm say, I'm willing to say, I don't know, I'd say something like 2.5 maybe. Where are you? I think that's probably about right. Okay. Uh, that's, I, I like um, – I think that's probably where where like one of the projection systems has him. Isn't I think it? Zips has him at two four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'd say that that's that's probably right up against what I what I'd anticipate from him this year. I think two point five is a really good number. Okay. Yeah. The, the Zips was more optimistic. I, I I actually I probably would accept a slightly higher figure, uh, especially if he's going to get that many plate appearances. But let's say two point five. That's pretty good. Okay. Let's say two point five. All right. <clears throat> well, it's a great start. Good. It's a great start. Hunter Renfro, corner outfielder, San Diego Padres, projected for 575 plate appearances. A right-handed batter. I know uh, Kyler McDaniel is uh, – I don't know if he – he's. I think he introduced me to Hunter Renfro, who I believe had a had gone, had attended college. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro playing college? Mississippi State. Yeah. And uh, um, he is not my favorite type of player necessarily. He's a he's a corner outfielder from whom much is demanded of the bat, right. and uh, he also uh, he has some uh, he's got some swing and miss in his game. I think it would be fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> um, and has never been one to to take a walk. It's a very hyper aggressive, pull heavy approach to hitting uh, with a lot of raw power mm-hmm. and. This sort of hitter is – I've said this a bunch throughout the Prospect series and probably a couple times on the podcast. Like this is the type of of hitter that I think is going to come into vogue. Uh, but it's but the, the lack of plate discipline is concerning. And like you said, because it's a, a corner-only profile, it is sort of a house of cards situation where if one element of the offensive profile uh, becomes untenable, then the whole thing sort of collapses. Uh, but given the position that the Padres are in, which is an entirely non-competitive one, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to see a lot of playing time this year. Yeah. Now, I actually I think there's a possibility. Now, as I said, his his uh, playing time projection is very optimistic. However, <clears throat> as you've noted, the the Padres have quite a few outfield options because uh, they also have Travis Jankowski and Manny Margot, and that's just uh, the three young players they have. This right. is not to account for anyone else who's run that. I, w- I am, would not be surprised if there's a scenario where uh, I'd say there's a probability, uh, I don't know what it would be, t- 20% maybe, that Renfro just isn't making a lot of contact at some point and spends a little bit more time in the minor leagues. Um, yeah. Uh, we've we've seen this org in the short time that A.J. Preller has been at the helm willing mm-hmm. to barbecue their prospects, even the ones at the advanced uh, levels we saw Austin Hedges do nothing but mash uh, mm-hmm. at AAA last oh, year, and Mary yeah, yeah. got a call up until the end of the year. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's um, 
combined with what they're trying to do on the roster, which is probably going to prioritize defensive versatility with the Christian uh, Bethancourt experiment that's going on, uh, with guys like Luis Sardinas uh, on on the 40-man, Corey Spangenberg, Jan Jervis Solarte. These are like multi-positional players. Um, I think the first guy that, that gets bumped down uh, in the event that uh, that something like some domino falls somewhere is probably Renfro because he needs to get regular at bats to to develop. So to develop, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you throw the why don't you throw a number out oh, and okay. uh, I'll react to it. Uh I think it's weird to to project a guy that that hasn't hit below 300 since like 2014 or something like that to to do so, but I I'm probably looking at something more like 250 with maybe a 315 on base. And a high end, like above average slugging percentage over. Uh, I want to say he probably does play most of most of the year in the big leagues, but maybe not a full season. Uh, so, how about one point eight? Whoa! How do you feel about one point eight? I think it's quite high. You Can do. I tell you what I was going to say? Sure. I was going to say zero point two. Really? Yeah. We're far off. We're far away here. Okay, well, let's we try doing? to come to some sort of compromise then. All right. Why did you? Why are? Why are you that low? Would you say? Because I, I well, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to hit league average. I think he's okay. going to be a below league average hitter. Okay. Um, because I because of the plate appearances or because of the I think he could I think he could develop into one, but uh, uh, I think the guys who don't make a lot of contact. Well, I don't think uh, um, studies show. Uh, in particular, one I'm setting by Chris Mitchell, that guys who who have tough, um, who don't make a lot of contact, who have poor plate discipline, they tend to adapt more slowly to major league pitching than okay. guys who make a lot of contact. But okay, I'm willing to listen. I Would can meet you. you ha- I I can meet you halfway if you want. No, I think no. You ha- you have me you have me uh, coming down in your direction. I'd still just looking at guys the way. Prospects similar to this, or players with similar skill sets, have performed recently. Guys like uh, I think Nomar Mazar is probably was a far superior prospect to to Renfro. Uh, mm-hmm. That he Mazar was worse than that last year over uh, basically an entire season's worth of at bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I do. I am inclined to say yes, Carson. I think you're you're correct. So okay. let's let. Uh, I do think it po- just point two on its own might be on the low end of things, and would maybe ask you yeah. to come up a little bit. But I definitely think that it's closer to you than it was closer to my. Okay, uh, well let's do. Suggestion. We'll go like one third to me. So what are we? What are we at? Point two, one six. Point. Le- what about point point like seven? Yeah, I'll do point seven. Okay, let's do that. So Renfro at point seven. Renfro point seven. Okay. <clears throat> this is productive. Yeah, just like Jason Worth last year was bad defensively. By Fangraphs metrics, and put mm-hmm. up something around a league average batting line as oh, a bad defensive yeah. as a bad defensive yeah. corner outfielder, and was worth one like it was worth an even win uh, just on oh, yeah. just on at bats, 143 games worth of at bats. So I think uh, if we expect something similar from Renfro over maybe like at, at that rate anyway, but you're saying the sheer volume is going to be his uh, his ally in this particular case. Right, but I agree with you that there's maybe some reason to 
to be skeptical that he he'll be up like all all year. Yeah. No, we'll see. Hey, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. We'll see, and we'll see how yeah, we readers will. react. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, next. <laughs> yeah, if we're all here, if we're all, if we're all here. Uh, we uh, next we have um, Boston Red Sox prospect and corner outfielder Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi uh, still a prospect after uh, yeah, same sort of situation, season. right? He was another guy who was like relatively relatively close to exhausting his rookie eligibility and then uh and then just Coming did not. Yeah, yeah. He uh right, so he played he's played a lot of center field, although he'll be playing left field I guess for the Boston Red Sox. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are indications that he might have he might occupy occupy a place uh higher up in the in the Red Sox batting order. Uh, which would be an advantage for him in terms of accruing more plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, he struck out in over 20% of his plate appearances this uh, when he Meh. arrived in the majors, but I think he's going to make a lot of contact. Yeah, same. Yeah, and he has at least, what, at least average power? Yeah, uh, that's that's sort of where the debate about Benintendi's ultimate ceiling is. Uh, and I think some of it is going to be dependent on his ultimate defensive home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's like average to above average raw power in there. It's just his in game approach to hitting is much more geared for gap to gap contact. There's a lot of I mean it's gorgeous to watch him hit, but he mm-hmm. he does sort of slap uh, balls down the opposite line for for doubles rather than turn on a ton of balls and like it's not the kind of approach to hitting that yields eighteen twenty two uh, twenty five plus home runs. Uh, so, but in center field, you don't care. But if he's going to be a plus defensive left fielder, you know, I, I guess you don't care all that much either. But uh, but on its face, a 15 to 18, maybe, maybe 20 home run hitting corner outfielder is not the same sort of value as it would be from a center fielder. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's sort of where, like, the debate around Benintendi's ultimate ceiling is. But if you... I think you and I both fall into this category. Think that the contact and on-base skills together are unique and special. Then I, you know, that might not matter either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's probably of the guys we're looking at today. The five guys at whom we're looking today, he's probably the most gifted batter. Yeah. Uh, he obviously doesn't pair it with defensive value the same way Swanson does, uh, but the. It's a, it's a, for me, it's a really interesting bat, really great. Uh, I, I, so you, uh, you, you started off with the last one. I'll start off. Let's see. I'm probably going to be, I'm going to fall in the more optimistic camp, um, probably as I look around uh, the the various projections that I've seen. Uh, but I think he's going to play a lot, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to make a lot of contact, uh, even if he doesn't necessarily hit for power. I think he'll be a plus defender in the corner uh, with some ease. So. I probably won't place him ahead of Swanson because I think we're pre- pretty aggressive on Swanson. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say, I, from my point of view, I'd be comfortable with uh, 2.3 wins. Okay. Yep. I'm on board with that. Okay. I think that might even be uh, a little bit light, but I, I feel I feel good about that. I'd have to think about that before I 
was you like, can, yep, well, over. we can revise these if you want, but, no, but no, no. I mean, do you feel like, like, who do you think is going to produce more wins next year, Swanson or Benintendi? Probably Swanson. If there's, if Benintendi has any adjustment time at all, like he's moving down in the lineup, the Red Sox are trying to compete right now. Right, right. So there's less margin for error for him, especially in a crowded outfield, than there is for someone like Swanson who's just going to play every day because the Braves want him to develop. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I like the 2.3. Yeah, and I also wouldn't be surprised if, if Ben Attendi got himself into some platoons now and then, you know, right. if they're facing a tough left-hander. Yeah, Chris Young comes in. Chris, and Chris Young's around, yeah. 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 That wouldn't be shocking because they're saying, hey, you, you know, you're, this is your first year in the major leagues, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, yeah, Swanson, I mean, Swanson, he might get some time off too, but I think he's just going to be, I think he's going to be out there every day because he's going to be one of the most interesting players on a team that is, you know, not going to be yeah, winning. doesn't have a whole lot so. else going on. Yeah. It's watching yeah. Ari Dickey and Bartolo Colon sort of hang on and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Uh next is Manny Margot, outfielder, San Diego Padres. Did we do Margot in the other podcast? We did, yeah. Alright, well then what do we say for him then? <laughs> you wanna just you wanna steal? <laughs> what is it what is it? Well your... we already have a number on it, don't we? Yeah. You help me get to Brunswick more easily? Sure. You remember what we said? No. no Let's no, look no. it up. I'm looking it up right now. What do you what do you think you said? What do you think we said? Wait, hold on. I'm not gonna try to figure that out off the top of my head. <laughs> Here's the results. <laughs> Click here to see the results. Okay, Margot. We put one point five on him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so how do you feel about that right now? Obviously, for those that don't know, Manny Margot, uh, Padres center field prospect, plus plus runner, terrific defensive center fielder, good feel for the position. His range, obviously, based on the speed, is terrific as well. Uh, offensively competent from a, from a bat to ball perspective. There's more raw power in there than he'll show in games. He actually had one of the more visually beautiful swings. At last year's Futures game, it's very – like the way he, he uh, corkscrews up from his lower half up through his his levers is a lot like the way Manny Ramirez uh, used to swing. It's really cool mm-hmm. to watch. But the bat path is just geared for line drives and ground balls. Uh, so, yeah, so plus defensive center fielder with a good contact profile and someone, again – who uh, is on a rebuilding club, albeit one with a crowded outfield. So we put a 1.5 on him on the last Over Under podcast. Mm-hmm. Has your view changed at all in the last two weeks? Probably not. I, I, if, now, let's see. I, I called – you called out 1.5, yeah. and I took the over. <clears throat> right. And I probably still – and I probably would still take the over a little bit. Here's why, because like, I'm looking at a projection for him for about one – Let's see, one point three wins, but the okay. this is the projections are very um, they're very conservative on base running typically. Oh um, well, sure, and yeah. So and so I could see I could see something. I would be fine with anything up to two, probably. Um, and that's of course that's like you know use that's a combination of uh, defense and speed mostly and you know reasonable contact skills. Well, pretty good contact skills actually. Is there anything about Petco Park's spacious outfield that 
uh, has shown long-term impacts on defensive metrics at all that you know of? I don't know anything of, uh, regarding okay. that, no. no. Okay. Then, yeah, I'm with you. I think if we want to hit the gas a little bit on it and bump it up from mm-hmm. 1.5 to something like 1.7, I'd be comfortable with that. Let's do 1.7. All right. Okay. That was, that was easy enough. Um, oh, yeah. So then, uh, last – I'm going to need your help a lot on this one. I've, I've, this is a player uh, – and this is our their fifth and final hitter. Um, again, these are these are rookie-eligible players who have received the highest plate appearance projections from uh, the authors and editors of Fangraphs.com. Uh, this is a player who, who I just uh, – I have a, a block so far as he's concerned. That's Yulieski uh, Gurriel, Houston Astros. Third baseman, I guess. Yeah. Um, third baseman? Third baseman? Third, Yeah, mostly third base. So – and obviously mm-hmm. now the first thing that you're confronted by is Alex Bregman's presence. And in my opinion, a superior one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think – did Gurriel play some left? Like I know that there were there was talk of him moving around and where has he played? Where has he played before? Where where did he play in Cuba? Mostly third. Okay. He played last year for Houston. He played uh, third a few games at first, and he had one appearance in left field in the big leagues. In the big leagues, right? Uh, but yeah, Yulieski Gurriel is one of these Cuban baseball legends who uh, got loose. Uh, as relations between Cuba and the United States improved here of late, and he and his brother both came stateside, Yuli is now 32. I've never seen him play in person. I went out that way to see him with uh, Lancaster last year, but he he had the, the night off. They really eased him into, into pro ball over here after he signed because he hadn't played in games for a while, and he's 32. So And what, probably wasn't going to play every day anyway. When he was ready, which is, you know, what I think we ended up seeing. So uh, the scouts that I spoke to who saw him in Cuba, especially the ones that saw him when he was a stud, they said that the light has more or less begun to burn out. So there's still some field to hit there. I think there's still some raw power there. He does have a young, like it's a, physically he's a younger 32. It's not like a big, heavy 32 year old body. He is lean and, uh, and, and agile for his age. So I see him more as, as a, as a utility type. He did not play well in limited bats in the big leagues last year. Uh, and yeah, I think it's, it's a tough, I think it's a tough profile. I'd like to read you his Cuban league statistics off now, but, uh, baseball reference is not cooperating. I, w- I will say to I'll add that um, he will be. It, it appears though he'll be playing mostly first base this year. Um, and as because as you mentioned, Alex Bregman is going to be playing third. What about McCann? Um, well, McCann will be catching. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe not every day. They do. Uh, they they do also have the DH available if they ever need that uh, to give true. Carlos Beltran a day off. I mean, I guess someone between Gaddis and McCann has to catch most of the time, right? Mm. So. But there are also – I wonder, like, what do – this is an organization that has had quite a bit in the way – like, they've had a bunch of first-base prospects recently too. Uh, Tyler White obviously was was supposed to be a solution last year. or was possibly yeah. a solution. He particularly worked out. A.J. Reed has been excellent at points in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. um, but he has not worked out. John Singleton uh, is still a member – 
of the organization. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That was a guy who I was I was big on when he was a Phillies minor leaguer. I thought he was going to be a middle of the order hitter, plus mm-hmm. hit above average game power. Well, uh, yeah, I think he'll still be a middle of the order hitter, just not not in the major leagues. There are obviously some some well documented off field issues there as mm-hmm. well, but that was certainly one that I I was wrong about. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. AJ Reed, Tyler White. This team also has uh, Carlos Beltran occupying basically a designated hitter spot now. They're, yeah, they're loaded up on the corners. Yeah. So I don't know. So I guess I'm. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit skeptical about his ability. For, from what you've told me and, and what I'm what is now sort of um, <clears throat> coming back to me with regard to Guriel, um, I'm, I'm curious to see if it's going to be enough bat to make much of an impact at first base. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, – I'm thinking maybe point, point 0.4. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. Uh, I'm good with that because uh, you also have to figure that um, if he's not performing, then he's another one because the team is attempting to compete um, that he uh, might have difficulty doing so. Now, I will say the projections uh, are in some cases – in some cases more uh, – more optimistic about him. They're more in right. the low ones is typically where we find him. Yeah. I don't, I think it'd be worth for – if we wanted to be as accurate as we possibly could to look and try to find out what Tyler White and A.J. Reed have left in the way of options. Yeah. Uh, I guess Colin Moran as well. But uh, yeah, because some of those guys might be just AJ so Reed that you have has, viable uh, major league depth, <laughs> you know, he, yeah. those guys are more likely to be demoted if they have options left rather than a guy who has a big league contract. And Adrian Reed know. has three three option years left, I think. Um, two or three. Uh, okay. Tyler White has two. Colin Moran has two. Um, and, of course, Gurila himself has, uh, sure. I'm guessing, three, two. If yeah, you want to – but you want to demote the <laughs> – the international superstar baseball player who's 32. <laughs> he might, you know, no, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Right. But yeah, I, uh, there's the reports coming out of Cuba on him when he left. We're not all that great. So I'm fine with zero four. Right. It's hard to produce value at first base unless you got a big bat. It's the truth. That's what I'm telling you. What was his, yeah. let's look and see. What does StatCast have his, Exit velos out last year when he was playing. Average exit velocity for Yulieski Guerrero, 89.4 miles per hour. Okay, so it was bad. Yeah, right. I mean, or, you know, right in the league average range. Maybe a little bit below, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's below. I think 92 is bad average, isn't it? Uh, it depends on what sort of batted ball, probably. Okay. But yeah, it's that's the general region. Uh, by comparison, Madison Bumgarner, though, had a 92.4. So it was below Madison Bumgarner. Okay. Just fine. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, uh, right, uh, some indications there that first base might be difficult for him to create value. Okay. You f- so you feel comfortable with uh, 0.4 for Guriel? Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to pitchers, Eric Long and Hagen. Okay. And we will begin with the pitcher... Uh, projected to receive the most innings according to the depth charge projections, and that is Jarrell Cotton, right-hander, Oakland Athletics, owner of a diminutive, relatively speaking, a diminutive frame. 
but also uh, a plus plus changeup. Yep. He don't care that he's five eleven. <laughs> don't care. You don't care. No. Nope. Slow to mid nineties. There's an above average cutter. It's a seven changeup. He's got a curveball that he can mix in to give hitters a different look. He's going to be Oakland's fourth starter this year. I'm pretty sure he's got a rotation spot locked down. Uh, as far as durability issues go, I don't think there's. I think there might be something somewhere on the resume. There's probably a reason he was in the fall league a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's nothing inherently violent or upsetting about his delivery. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we on covered. The sh- he missed about a month covered, and a half in 2015 for something. We covered Jarrell Cotton as part of the our 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 own prospect game, you and I. Yeah, and uh, that was a uh, that was a line that I set. I set it at 2.2, and you took the over. And the question is how far how far would you have gone? How far above 2.2? Had you said like 2.4, 2.5, I would have had to hem and haw over uh, what I would have. What it would have gone with, so I'd probably say like two point four. Okay. Well, uh, what is he projected that... at? Are you looking at uh, zips? Uh, I'm not I currently two point okay. five. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I pulled I pulled it up. I thought yeah. I think clicked. Yeah, yeah, two point five fine. on zips. Two point four with steamer. I say let's do two point four. You say you say two point four. I say two point four. But okay. I, I'm a big Jarrell Cotton fan. So am I. If you want to talk about who I am? That's that's who I am. How did you become familiar with him? Because I didn't know who really uh, a whole lot about him until Fall League when I was like, hey, look, at this guy is mid-rotation starter. <laughs> what, <was that? laughs> what did that have been? Uh, uh, 2015 Fall League. 2015 Fall League. Yeah. Uh, I He showed up uh, with some frequency on the French Five posts. Okay. Um, but I'm, I don't know what he – this was the he, – he's, I think he's won each of the last two seasons. He's been a winner. He's been at the top. So after, in 2015 and 2016, he's been one of the winners of the Fringe Five. He's a, uh, he's a real Fringe Five. Um, uh, he's, he's been there. Yeah, because he just, his numbers have been great. And then yep. you say, well, he's got one pitch that's fantastic. And then, uh, he's got another, um, you know, he's got another that, uh, I mean, his fastball is, is, is decent. And uh, most of the ways that he does not pass muster is uh, are sort of typically more scouting oriented. I don't know. That's fine with me. He's gonna yeah, pitch Tuesday. Con. Should I go see him? Yeah. That would that be cool? There's apparently yeah. some mechanical changes that have occurred, uh, as reported by John Hickey of the Mercury News. <laughs> so maybe it's worth going to check out. Yeah. Well, make sure you. Uh, uh, file a breathless report. Jarrell Cotton, 2.4 wins. Yeah, let's do it. Lock let's it in. Under. Okay, lock it in. Locked in. Uh, moving on. Uh, another another player uh, with whom I have uh, less of, regarding whom I have less intimate knowledge, um, that is a right-hander for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Tyler Glasnow. Glasnow or Glasnow or Glasnow? Glasnow. Glasnow, Okay. I get him. I get him and Tyon mixed up a lot. Um, sure. Not that I should, but they're just uh, they're in the same file for me. So I will uh, rely to some degree on your wisdom here. Uh, yeah. So I've always been a little bit more apprehensive about Glass now than I think other 
prospect writers have been. Every time mm-hmm. I've seen him, he has difficulty throwing strikes, and obviously and he just sort of has difficulty doing it in general. Uh, he had a, let's see, yeah, walk, walk rates usually in excess of 12%, uh, sometimes more than that at just about every level. Now, scouts and player development folks will tell you that pitchers who, from cold-weather climates with uh, big bodies, long limbs, and huge upper 90s fastballs, like those are traits that are typically indicative of late-blooming starters, guys who, who find control uh, and grow into their bodies late. Glasnow is two of those things. Uh, he's six foot seven, and will sit like ninety four to ninety seven, and and occasionally show you uh, top of the scale velocity. Although that's become less common, and I don't think even in his big league appearances last year that it was. Uh, yeah, fastball fastball averaged ninety three point five miles per hour last year in the big league. So it's not like a legit eighty grade fastball as a starter or anything like that. Um, well, not right now. I think he might have been working at working out at driveline this off season, which might be kind of fun. Uh, so, but yes, it's, uh, he's built like a whooping crane. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. That was your physical comp. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, it's like 30 grade command, at least when I've seen him it is. So uh, the question is, is he a reliever? Is he a starter? The pirates obviously have every reason to continue to run him out there as a starter until it's just like, okay, enough. You're 25 now. Like it's time, but we're not there yet. Uh, so, I think a lot of the value he provides this year is going to be dependent on how much he's needed in Pittsburgh. Uh, but of course, there's a chance that this is the year the command comes together, and oh look, here's another potential top of the rotation starter that the Pirates have made. Uh, that could happen at, at literally any moment. So I think this is probably the most volatile projection that we've done just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm curious how you digest the statistical profile that he's displayed in the minor leagues. Yeah, well, I w- I've actually uh, – I'm surprised that the that our projection systems or the odd projection systems, Steamer and Zips, are both so optimistic about him because while he has produced uh, pretty decent strikeout rates in the minors, he's also, as you note, has uh, walked a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Steamer at least typically accounts for velocity. It's possible that Zips does that too. Which could be of some benefit to Tyon, you know, Glasnow, um, <laughs> the pitcher about whom we're speaking. Yeah. Um, but the the walk rates are are pretty frightening, um, in terms of uh, thinking about him as a starting pitcher for a li- for likely a, a competitive team in 2017. Mm, obviously, he's got he still has some youth on his side. But he's also like almost the exact type of pitcher who, if you were going to convert a guy to like, you know, really to like multi-inning relief, like he's he's one of the best possibilities uh, for that, um, where his he might be able to conserve his stuff a little bit more, et cetera. As you note, however, if he could work as a starter, then he would be a great asset. But I don't think the Pirates necessarily want to are there, I don't think they're going to be incredibly patient uh, with him um, having developmental uh, peaks and valleys at the major league level. So I think there are three possibilities. Possibility A, he has a very successful season as a starter for the Pirates. 
right? Now, that's if he makes the opening day rotation. They do have some competition because Drew Hutchison is there right. and Chad Cool. Um, so there's some Ivan there Nova, some Cole, Cole Tyon and Ivan Nova are, are locks. Right, but then there's Cool, Hutchinson, um, Stephen who's that sort of? Yeah, right. And Brault uh, has, uh, I think he actually uh, he started throwing a little bit harder last year too. Yeah, I like Brault. Uh, I yeah. think he's a, he's a back end guy, good athlete. I think that uh, if I remember correctly, did not perform especially well last year. But I do think that it's like it's good sinker slider with command stuff. Yeah. So uh, so 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 A right is he is he gets a place in the rotation and he pitches really well. B is he's got he has trouble in the rotation. The Pirates decide they want him to continue developing as a starter. They send him to AAA. Uh, and C is um, C is they say well we don't think this is going to work necessarily. Let's move him to the bullpen. In the latter two cases, he's not really going to get enough enough innings to be a great performer. Um, so. That's going to uh, affect my projection for him, which I will set. And I w- I'll stipulate we're using FIP-based war here. That yeah. runs allowed war. This is FIP-based war. For me, I would set it around one probably. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I'm okay. Uh, I think that's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading that uh, – who is it here has this report? I want to – okay. Uh, Stephen Nesbitt of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette had a story on Glasnow earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And um, says that the, the the delivery, like they're trying to tweak it. The glass now spent the off season trying to tweak it, adding a two seamer, uh, monkeying with his changeup grip a little bit. So it sounds like there's there's some stuff going on developmentally that uh, that if it's not you know all nice and tight by the end of spring training, might be something that gets continued to work on that that's continuously worked on at mm-hmm. AAA rather than him breaking camp with the big league club. But yeah, I think one is I think one is sound. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let's say one then. Let's say one. So we have Cotton at 2.4, Tyler Glasnow at one. We move on to Robert Stevenson, right-hander, Cincinnati Reds. Okay. Um, has 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 been uh, a, a much celebrated prospect at points, although I don't, I don't think his 2016 season did very much to advance that notion. Is that right? That's right. I think at one and point – I think you probably have to go back and look, but he was probably pretty high on the 2015 Fangraphs top 100, mm-hmm. probably in the top 30 or 40 as like a 60 future value guy. Uh, and now is at the point where I have a 45 on him. Uh, okay. And and what like happened seventh. in between? Now, now was that um, was that because he he took a step backwards, or is it just essentially a failure to develop at a rate commensurate with his advancement through the minor leagues? I think there's probably there's probably something going on. There's definitely been changes to his repertoire uh, as his career has progressed. He was once sitting consistently like ninety ninety seven uh, with a lot of like ninety four plus and movement and a hammer breaking ball, mm-hmm. uh, but. He's more of a fastball changeup guy now. I think that he's gone back and forth between like a straight changeup grip and a splitter grip. Uh, I think he had a splitter in high school, and then they they sort of took it away from him in pro ball and reintroduced it of late. Uh, but the the curveball is just not as good uh, or as consistent as it used to be when he his his stock was at its peak. 
and the velocity has never quite – and the command is bad. Uh, so he's one of these guys that the Reds have acquired over the years who I've considered relievers and they have not. And there's like been a pretty consistent trend of guys like Nick Howard and Raycel Iglesias, Michael Lorenzen. Stevenson is one of these guys who I consider a reliever, but the Reds have, have thought they've had starter traits. Uh, so there's some, there's definitely some bias with the way I ranked him on the Reds list. Because that is the way I think of it, and I do ultimately think that he's a reliever where I'd like to just see him air out 95-plus without – who cares where it goes? Uh, and, and you know, two potentially viable secondaries, I think that could be a dominant reliever. Um, so I'm not sure uh, – what what's the Reds uh, – what's the Reds' rotation situation looking like right now? Because obviously they do have a lot of these guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, they don't. I mean, they don't really have a lot of options. Obviously, after moving Iglesias to the bullpen, uh, and I mean, trading. Not to say that Dan Straley is an ace, but he was he was almost their de facto ace, um, if not. I mean, if, if if you know, if their number two pitcher. I know Eno Saris is excited about Brandon Finnegan this year. Sure. Um, so, so that's one thing to uh, to consider. Uh, he so Finnegan's probably pretty solidly. Uh, a part of the rotation, as is uh, Disclafani. Yep. Scott Feldman has not had a lot of success in recent years, but he's also probably going to be part of the rotation. Right, yeah, he's an inning-eating veteran for exactly the type of arm a team like this needs. <clears throat> right, where, where you don't want to expose some of your prospects. Sure. I guess probably like Cody Reed, right? Isn't Cody Reed? Yeah, Cody Reed. He, he's, uh, he's a boss. You know, they have they have a number of guys. I'd expect Amir are- Garrett to be up at some point next year, finally. Right. Yeah, I think there are a lot of guys, guys, a lot of guys ahead of Stevenson on the pecking order as far as rotation spots go, in my opinion. Right. And and guys who, if even rookie Davis, to be honest with you, maybe maybe Stevenson makes maybe he even if he breaks camp in the rotation, if things don't necessarily go well, there there are plenty of other pitchers. The Reds would be probably happy to audition. Right. Um. You you. Uh, it's it's actually probably from what we we're describing here. It's probably not. It's probably not a huge departure from many of the same things that, that you said. What I'm hearing, what you said about um, Glasnow, except maybe just another year. Like it's another year along, and things have not necessarily progressed uh, in ideal fashion. Sure. Right. <clears throat> so maybe there's more willingness to put him into relief if that happens. Of course, this Reds bullpen could uh, constantly. Uh, used attention. I think they were historically bad last year, at least, you know, in the 21st century. Uh, yeah, I would do They're something. They at least have some some more interesting arms this year. The acquisition of Austin Bryce, uh, that's a guy who I think is is a very solid uh, major league bullpen piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and J- Jumbo Diaz is already there. Kiri Maya. Uh, Nephew Gondo, Sauramano, like these are hard throwing. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Guys, mm. yeah. they have so, guys to audition though. Basically, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The, the radar gun will be entertaining to watch in, in Cincinnati this year. I do any. I do like. I probably wouldn't go above zero point seven for no. for Stevenson, and I, you know, uh, based on what you say, I'd do anything below that. Can we do? He's one of these guys who I'm almost tempted to put like just above replacement level or add it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, can we do? Let's do point two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. We got two more, and I got to leave in twelve minutes. I should okay. probably actually finish up very quickly here. Uh, here's one. Here, this is a picture about whom the projections are very optimistic. Traded this year to the Tampa Bay Rays from Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for Logan Forsyth. Is that right, Logan Forsyth? Logan Forsyth was traded from the Rays to the Dodgers. Is that right? That's right. Is that right? Uh huh. Logan Forsyth. <laughs> is it Logan Forsyth? Uh huh. Okay. Yes. All right. And his name is Jose De Leon. Uh, Jose mm-hmm. De Leon, of course, is notable. Well, let's say for multiple reasons. Uh, not the least of which, however, is the fact that uh, he recorded excellent minor league numbers and uh, not, not mistake, not as a mistake, uh, he has excellent projections. For example, uh, Steamer projects him for 2.4 wins in 117 innings. Mm-hmm. Zips. Uh, nearly that many and nearly that many innings. But, 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 uh, he did not, uh, he did not excel during a uh, four-start audition for the Dodgers last fall, last fall. So you say some things now about Jose De Leon. Right, yeah, he was fourth in the Dodgers, the Dodgers list before the trade. Uh, 55 future value, probably will fall in the middle third of the top 100. And it's it's a command changeup guy, low nineties might show you ninety four ninety five, plus changeup, uh, and it's a it's a pretty extreme drop and drive delivery. So there's there's some concern that the fastball comes in kind of flat and he might be homer prone, which I think he was in the short big league stint. He was. Do you, now would you say Eric? Would you say that it lacked plane that fastball? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Would you say that unlike Tom Selleck's character in Magnum P.I., that uh, this lacks plane, lacks a plane? It's <laughs> one, of, one of them. Is, that's, that's, all right. That was miserable, what I just did it's to, okay. to our language that we both speak <laughs> um, nearly fluently. Um, I apologize. But, yeah, I think, I think it's – and you hope that the, the slider is about average. And but yeah, I mean he it wasn't an issue in the Pacific Coast League, and you would have thought it would have been. That's not exactly a pitching friendly environment, so I think he'll be fine. Uh, yeah. And Tampa Tampa likes their changeup guys, and De Leon is just another one of those. Right. So what did, what did now, we say he was at? On yes, uh, you're right. The projections. We did it. We. Uh, we played the over-under prospect game one other time. Mm-hmm. I believe I submitted oh, right. the number for Jose De Leon. Yes, I did. I said two wins precisely, and then you took the under. But how, how much of an under would you have accepted? Below two? Not. Uh, it probably would have been much beneath that. One point seven is probably what I would have said. Mm-hmm. Uh, was probably. That's probably the, the price point for me, yeah. But I think we should leave it right at two. I think that's a good, solid number. Uh, yes, let's okay. leave it at two. <laughs> I'm willing to do that. Wait, how do you think his changeup compares to to Cotton's, just quickly? Cotton's is a seven. Cotton's is nasty, whereas mm-hmm. De Leon's is it's plus, and I think it's going to miss big league bats. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not. Cotton's is kind of goofy. Does he like have anything on Cotton? Does anything on cut? Does he? 
Any advantages on cotton? Uh, I think it's a more durable frame, uh, and hmm, the com- and certainly command. Okay, cotton's more control over command. De Leon is pinpoint hit your spots with your fastball uh, right. advance. Yeah. Neither of them has a plane either. Let, uh, okay, let's no, turn no. to <laughs> our final pitcher. There are actually two Not pitchers yet. who are uh, we're doing because we did five position players. We're doing five pitchers. There are two pitchers in this fifth spot who have the same innings projection. So here's how we're going to sort it out. One of them is Robert Gesselman. Gesselman. Jeselnik. So yeah. Anthony Jeselnik, noted American comedian Anthony Jeselnik, and then the other one is Ty Black or Block. Ty Black. Black. A, yeah, Ty Black. Yeah. B-L-A-C-H, who's a pitcher in the Giants system. They both receive the same innings projection. I believe it is 109 innings is the projection for both of them. Uh, we'll get to Black in a second. He will be a tiebreaker. We will use him for a tiebreaker. First, let's get to Robert Gesellman, who mm. was excellent in terms of uh, overall run prevention and also in terms of fielding independent uh, 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 indicators. His ex-fip was not quite as good, but he had a very good debut after, yeah. what, getting drafted like in the 13th round. And, you know, it was – he made seven starts. Five of those were against either Philly or Atlanta. Uh, so look all, upon his brief big league stint with some scrutiny. But there there was some alteration to the stuff late last year. The scouts I talked to compiling the Mets list – who saw him in Las Vegas say that the, the development of the slider is legitimate. It's like a hard. It's that Mets Vogue slider. It's 80, more than. Would you re, do you ever refer to it as the Worthen slider? I, I guess sure. Yeah. I, at after this the point, pitching after pitching coach Dan mm, Worthen. Yeah. I guess at this point you kind of have to. Although apparently the, he had the slider before he was in the big leagues. Um, but yeah, he had always been fastball, fastball command. And very little else. It was like a, a 40 curveball uh, for Gesellman as a younger prospect. And now it's 92 to 95, up to 97 with angry fastball movement. I got a 7 on the fastball on the Mets list uh, because of the movement. And uh, yeah, it's big fastball slider and command, and the changeup is just okay. And the curveball is still kind of around and is similarly. Okay, but I think he's a rock-solid mid-rotation starter, and um, given the way that that rotation has been prone to injury over the last few years, I would anticipate him getting a pretty good big league run in 2017. Yeah, okay. So he is not guaranteed a spot, and in fact, um, if if Zach Wheeler seems to be healthy, he will not be given a spot probably coming out of Mm -hmm. spring training. But Wheeler's oh, already had a Wheeler. Wheeler has already had a hiccup this spring. Okay, right. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, health was health was an issue for the rotation. Yeah. And given uh, Gesellman's own success last year, uh, he would cer- almost certainly be one of the first pitcher, if not the first, upon whom they called for the rotation. He was worth roughly one and a half wins in oh, just under forty five innings last year. <laughs> That's very strong. Yeah. Um, very strong. I mean, prorate that to two hundred innings. That's something like. It's almost six wins or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and unlikely to uh, unlikely to to match that. Um, and of course, there's no guarantee about his innings. The projections call for something uh, about one and a half wins, like in a hundred innings. I <clears throat> let's see. 
Right, but that's probably that's probably looking back at his minor league numbers from at least last year, right? Which at this point he's just objectively a different guy on stuff. So, right. So you so you have to fa- you have right. to balance his current stuff versus his opportunity to pitch with that mm-hmm. stuff. How do you feel about one point three wins? One point three. I think one point three is reasonable. However, and that's maybe what I would have said coming into this conversation. Now, now, now after our conversation, after just talking now, I'm more optimistic. I'm sure that I'm sure that it is not a good idea to be swayed so easily. I'm sure that that this is not how decisions are made <laughs> in in front offices. No, I would go up to two though. Now, after our conversation, I would mm. say, yeah, maybe about 100 innings is right, but I would almost go up to two wins, given what you've just said. But I don't know, but. But maybe we can meet – do you want to meet uh, not unlike <clears throat> um, la- the lady in the trip while eating spaghetti? We can meet in the middle? Yeah. Eric? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll uh, – do you, do you, Are you more the lady or more the tramp, do you feel like? Probably – well, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I don't know if I could – if either of them sort of reflect any aspect of my personality because they're yeah. – they're, uh, Dogs. Dogs. Yeah, yeah they're dogs. <laughs> they're both dogs. Is there dialogue in that? Do those animals talk in the movie? No, it's... Yeah. They talk to each other? Definitely the Siamese cats do. Okay. I didn't so. remember them as characters. Were you going to say a figure? Were you going to... Oh, oh yeah. Middle? Like, meeting gonna... in the middle, I think, would be something close to 1.7. Yeah. I think that's pretty reasonable. If uh, I'm looking at Steamer right now, yeah, it has him at 1.3. Zips has him at 2.1. Uh, and obviously, these projection systems don't realize that uh, Gesellman <laughs> added some velocity and a better slider last year. But, um, but yeah, I think 1.7 is a sweet spot. Yeah, I'll do 1.7. I'll do 1.7. We've decided upon 1.7, which finishes, uh, that completes the 10 players uh, uh, we are submitting to the public for the purposes of the over-under game. However, we need a tiebreaker in case right. two or more contestants uh, win the same number of wagers. This is the same you know, number of wagers. And so that will be, uh, this will concern San Francisco Giants prospect Ty Black. Yep. <clears throat> uh, and we will just, uh, we will simply attempt to guess how many innings not unlike Robert Gesellman, uh, he is not guaranteed a spot in the rotation for the Giants. So, uh, so, so it's. But we uh, there's also reason to believe that he will uh, he will get some innings. He's on the forty man. Mm-hmm. He made some appearances last year. Pitched seventeen innings. Yep. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? I I like Black as a prospect. Mm-hmm. It's an average fastball, average slider, uh, plus command type of guy for me. It's like a big, durable body, pitchability lefty type. And, yeah, I think initially he'll probably be that fifth or sixth starter type that comes up when they need an arm because of an injury or you know to pitch the back end of a doubleheader or something like that. And now with Chris Heston out of town, there's less competition for that. Um, oh yeah, we we don't need to we don't need to offer a number here. We yep. just have to we we've done all we need to. Uh, do. I suppose that's correct. But the, yeah. those are my thoughts on Black as a prospect, anyway. 
Um, I do think it's he's, value a, he's stuff. a big leaguer. Yeah, valuable. I think he's he's a solid back end starter at peak. No, I know your comments are valuable too, Eric. I do oh, appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, I've, I always think that when I when I speak. That's good. To yeah, that's how I'm. That's how I'm always feeling. I tend to. You know, I I do determine my self worth based on feedback from others, so I appreciate it. What percentage of your self worth do you think you, you do? You determine based off of feedback. I mean, is it zero? Do you, it must be more than zero. Oh, like honestly, yeah, it probably is more than zero. I'd like to sit here and yeah. tell you that I don't care. But oh, I know. I'm I would only... love to feel that way. I would love to. I would love to be. <laughs> I would love to be phlegmatic. You know, I would love to be a real, an authentic stoic. But it's not happening. Mm-mm. It's not happening. No, it's. Uh, I'm like an open nerve, Eric. Anyways, I should probably go. This has been a real pleasure. We've got a, we've got all the guys here. Let's see. I'll do it quickly. We have to get to uh, Brunswick. I got to get to Brunswick. Yeah, it's urgent that I get to Brunswick, Maine. Listen, mm. Dansby Swanson, two point five wins. Yep. Hunter Renfro, zero point seven wins. I feel very good about that one. Andrew Benatendi, two point three wins. Strong player. Uh, Manny Margot, San Diego Padres, 1.7 wins, largely on the defensive skill, although I like the contact as well. like the contact as well. Uh, Yulieski Guriel, 0.4 wins. Jarrell Cotton, 2.4. Tyler Glasnow, now, no, one, one win even. Uh, Robert Stevenson, 0.2 wins. Jose De Leon of the Tampa Bay Rays, two wins even. And Robert Gesellman, 1.7 wins. 1.7 was a little higher than I expected coming into things. But there you go. That's how life works, isn't it? I'm often. Never mind. <laughs> hey. Huh? You, you are. You are often higher than coming into things. Listen, uh, it's been a real pleasure, Eric. As I say, I do have to go to Brunswick uh, post haste. So let's get, let's get off this phone. Right. Um, can, can I say thank you? Oh, you're welcome. All right, that has been Eric Longenegan. He's the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. All right, that was good. Yeah, it was good. I think it was good.